3: Everything you need to fight the Trump administration, this is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The
4: Bill Press Show. And good morning and welcome to The Bill Press Show. I am not Bill Press. Uh, My name is Jason Dick and I'm the deputy editor at Roll Call sitting in for Bill Press while he uh, takes a slow boat to Buenos Aires. Well, he'll be shadowing the president at the G20 summit. Uh, That may or may not be true. Uh, I will be joined by some uh, fabulous colleagues in the world of journalism later on. Uh, Catherine Tully McManus covers uh, the institution of Congress, including ethics. Hmm, that could be interesting. Uh, And she's been uh, keeping tabs on what's going on with the new members, especially this week. She'll be joining us at the uh, second part of this hour. Jen Schutt uh, covers spending, budget, and appropriations for CQ. She'll be talking about whether we're going to be going into a partial government shutdown later, later on. And then we're going to round it out with Brandon Weatherby, the editor at uh, one of the managing editors at Brightest Young Things uh, and the host of the podcast, You, Me, Them, Everybody. He is an expert, you might say, on Donald Trump. But first, we're going to do... this
1: is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news. Uh, so if you're doing any holiday travel this season and you're going to Sarajevo, I have a great hotel for you to stay at. <laughs> it's called the War Hostel Sarajevo. Now, here is the deal. They have created. <laughs> I can already tell you know where I'm going with this. They have created a hotel that reimagines and puts you right there in the middle of a war conflict. For example, they who, who, have a, who
4: wouldn't want to starve and be shot at yeah. while you're on vacation?
3: Well, the soundtrack for the hotel is just gunfire. <laughs> just constant gunfire. There are bombs that go off. There are no beds in the hotel. Uh, they have very thin mattresses on the floor with no pillows or sheets and heavy, scratchy blankets, which they describe as, quote, creating the feeling of sleeping with a dead horse. <laughs> who, who exactly thought... I mean, now. like...
4: Are you sure you're not looking at The Onion or something? This is true. This is from the
3: New York Times. Oh, my God. Uh, Lots of guns in one room, including they are also posters on the wall that just say the words death and the end. Now, they do say that you get sweeping views of Sarajevo's old town, which is very nice, apparently. Uh, Beautiful this time of year. Wonderful this time of year. Just so nice. Uh, But if that's what you want to do, you can can stay at this war hostel I don't think that's for me. I don't think that's for
4: me. I, I, I really can't help but think that this may have a short-lived uh, tenure we in, would the, in so. the hospitality industry in Sarajevo.
3: I would think so. I love this story, and I feel like I do it every winter, and I'm going to do it again right now because we're going to go to Florida where just a public service announcement. Watch out for falling iguanas <laughs> because when the weather gets cold, what happens is these iguanas just Fall asleep and they'll fall out of trees. The cold weather just puts them into a coma like state and they fall from trees, they fall onto people. Last year, I did a story about a guy who wanted to eat these iguanas, and he thought that they had just fallen out of the tree dead, so he gathered up about 15 of them, put them in the back of his car, and once they got into the warmth of the car, they came alive! And they started (laughs) scurrying all over his car. That sounds like a movie. That could be a movie. It's a horror movie. Uh, it's, It's, again, when it drops below a certain temperature, the iguanas just can't take it. They just fall to the ground. They pose no real threat other than getting bonked on the head by... A falling lizard. So, just if you're in Florida and you see look what, up, what, yeah, look <laughs> up, and if you see a lifeless iguana on the ground, don't worry, he's just a little cold and he'll he'll wake up. Also, uh, it's the holiday season. I mentioned. Uh, do you write like a Christmas letter, like a family Christmas letter? Nope. That used to be a thing. <laughs> well, it used to be a thing.
4: It, ju- it just goes to people's spam boxes. Exactly.
3: Right? Exactly. So they're saying now that people are saying. Uh, you know, social media has essentially killed the Christmas letter. It used to be you would write a long letter about that, all
4: the... Is that kind of like video killing the radio star? Video
3: killed the radio star. Social media killed the Christmas letter, I guess. Uh, R.I.P. People aren't doing it anymore because you get to see every aspect of your life on social media so you don't have to talk about what your kids are doing, how your spouse is doing. It's, you don't have to talk out.
4: about the stuff that nobody cares about anyway.
3: Exactly! Exactly! this is the Bill press show so where to start
4: Peter uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I found myself uh, as, yesterday uh, having difficulty keeping up with the news um I found myself this morning uh you know I, I I even neglected my my daily intake of coffee uh because I mean the the I mean the news was just there was just so much of it I mean even <laughs> I it, it was just one big gulp so let's like sort of start with. You know, let's go back like a little uh, more than 20 or a little less than 24 hours ago. Uh, we get this, you know, n- note that Michael Cohen is going to plead guilty in New York. And that set off just about everything.
3: <laughs> right. It, it, it happened right at the end of yesterday's program. We have our meeting in the in the studio afterwards and we have the three TVs that are set to cable news. And we look up, and we go, oh, <laughs> Our well, show,
4: our show, just n- n- no one cares anymore. No one cares anymore. <laughs> Thanks. Today's show is
3: completely obsolete. Uh, but like, wow, what a what a seismic event in right. a news cycle that seems to have a lot of seismic events.
4: Well, and and one of the things that I was thinking of is that the, I mean, I was so relaxed coming back from Thanksgiving. I mean, on on Monday it was it was, I just I felt as renewed. You know, I, I didn't I didn't. You know, I had my stay at the war hostel. You know, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and I, and I went into work and I thought, you know this this could be I mean we've got some complications you know possibly looking at a like a, a government show, uh, shutdown over the wall but like really you know what are what are the odds that this is going to be just like some huge you know terrifyingly uh, fire hose like news cycle and and then you know things started happening um, the, the Senate of all of all bodies of all legislative bodies, Started debating. Uh, they started to get a little, um, uh, you know, turned off about th- what's going on in Yemen. Uh, the, the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, and the Secretary of Defense, Jim Mattis, uh, went to the Hill on, on Wednesday to brief all senators and let them know, like, what, you know, not just what was going on in, with the, our, the proxy war between the Saudis and and uh, and and Iran and in Yemen, but also just what you know what was the the government going to do about it? Well, how were they reacting? Not just to this, but in view of the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. I mean, it was you know Saudi Arabia complicated, uh, and and it just sort of started to turn a little bit, and then then it turns into this debate on the floor uh, in in the Senate over the War Powers Resolution, uh, and and you know it it was kind of fascinating to see that both, you know, it, it, people from Rand Paul, Kentucky Republican, to Chris Murphy, Democrat in C- Connecticut, were like, hey, we're going to debate this. And this is probably not what Mitch McConnell wanted to do. I mean, he wanted to just confirm some judges. Uh, and But that it was a little bit complicated because other people like Jeff Flake uh, and Chris Coons and Cory Booker, they wanted to force McConnell's hand to consider legislation to shield Robert Mueller. You know, okay, so now we're getting into the we're, now we're getting into some some Trump Moscow stuff. It's like it's appearing on the on it's the uh, on the horizon. It, yeah. it's, it's you know it's, Thanksgiving comas the, wearing off, right? The the faint Jaws music is starting, right? It's like oh, but you know, the, the, I mean, Jeff Flake is always complaining about something about Trump, right? <laughs> and oh God, here, I feel it coming on. <laughs> no, it's it's no ch- ch- Flake Flake will fold. It's no big deal, you know. Like and, and people were thinking that, right? and uh, you know and and he won't you know he won't vote to confirm some judges but they've got enough republicans to confirm judges anyway so so it's like all right so the pace is starting to pick up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and and then we have all, on the house side all the house democratic leadership elections which is kind of a big deal i mean the you know Nancy Pelosi has a lot of support within the caucus she she may not have Two hundred and eighteen votes is what she needs on the floor, but she certainly was going to get the caucus to nominate her to be speaker. And most all of the races that were that that were coming down the the pike in the in the Democratic caucus were unopposed. There were a few like contests, but not that many. But still busy. And then,
2: <laughs>
4: and, then. and then Thursday, and Thursday half and Thursday morning, and also I mean it, this would have been a you know it, in 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 days past uh, you know like two years ago, uh, a president going to a G20 summit uh, would have been news all in itself. <laughs> you know, maybe, yeah. they, maybe they would have looked at some trade deals or something like that. Oh, but when we forgot the other thing, the GM news, you know, that, that came out on Monday. You know, the, uh, several thousand people are uh, going to lose their jobs at, at General Motors and they're, they're closing plants in places like, you know, up, up the road, up by 95 in, in Maryland and also in Ohio and, and Michigan. Um, so, I mean, so... Then it, it just the 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 Trump, you know, sort of bomb goes off on Thursday morning, right as he's about to get to get onto a 13 minute or a 13 minute 13 hour flight to Argentina. And it just it it's you know, so let's sort of go through what what we know, you know, on on this, because I know we've got some audio as the president was heading to uh, you know, to, to Marine One so that he could go to Andrews and get on Air Force One for the trip to Buenos Aires uh, that he, he, you know, talked to the press as as he often does.
3: Uh, you know, it's so interesting to me that he uh will say what he says about Michael Cohen because mm-hmm. Michael Cohen's been around for a long time. He's right. been in Trump world for a very, right. very, very long time. And His personal
4: attorney for twelve years. Twelve uh, years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and
3: he'd been on TV supporting him. He right. he talked a lot about uh, Trump during the campaign. The, I mean, mo- I
4: the I most heard- infamous interaction on on CNN when he was when he was being confronted by Brianna Keeler. And she was saying, like, you know, you're down in the polls. And and it just came down to this, like, says who? Okay.
3: Says who? Okay. And then she she tells him who, and he just goes, OK. It's the the best. But Donald Trump was very, very mad about Michael Cohen yesterday. He's lying
1: about a project that everybody knew about. I mean, we were very open with it. We were thinking about building a building. I guess we had in a form it was an option. I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, We decided, I decided ultimately not to do it. There would have been nothing wrong if I did do it. If I did do it, there would have been nothing wrong.
4: (laughs) So if so, like, let's just take that that moment right there. (laughs) He's lying. You know, and what Michael Cohen said is that he lied to Congress when he was talking to the uh, House and Senate Intelligence Committees. And he he was lying on behalf of individual one who has been identified as Trump uh, about the extent to which they were discussing housing developments. Uh, in Moscow, uh, on behalf of the Trump organization, with the Russian government, with uh, with with people either seeking meetings with Vladimir Putin or with Dmitry Medvedev, the the prime minister, or like their close allies in the government, not just like you know government aligned people or so forth, but actual government figures. Um, and Cohen had previously said that all of this contact, all of these sort of um, uh, interests in Russia and in developing a, a, a condo apartment or you know a tower or whatever in, in Moscow had ceased in January of 2016 before the Iowa caucuses, before stuff got real uh, in the campaign. Uh, what Cohen said is actually those continued through the summer, through June, uh, after the point at which we all knew that Trump was going to be the Republican nominee for president. They were continuing to talk. And he also, you, we have some audio of him being asked uh, by George Stephanopoulos on ABC, whether he had any interest in Russia at all.
1: You said you have no investments in Russia, but do you owe any money to Russian individuals and institutions? No. Will I sell condos to Russians on occasion? Probably. I mean, I do that. I have a lot of condos. I don't have any deals with Russia. I had Miss Universe there a couple of years ago. Other than that, no. We could make deals in Russia very easily if we wanted to. I just don't want to because I think that would be a conflict. I own nothing in Russia. I have no loans in Russia. I don't have any deals in Russia. I had the Miss Universe pageant, which I owned for quite a while. I had it in Moscow a long time ago. Uh, but other than that, I have nothing to do with Russia.
4: Nothing to do with Russia, except, you know, all <laughs> all of this, like all these discussions with government officials about developing something in Russia. So you know th- this is i mean un- understandably you know trump was a bit um uh upset yesterday ab- about this <laughs> yeah he was a little mad <laughs> he was he was a little mad and then and and he kind of kept, he he picked up this line uh you know that you know cohen was not very smart and very weak and he was just flipping and so forth and then you know like he and, and here, this this uh demonstrates the danger of interacting with the press because sometimes you get a question like this
1: Because Cohen is such a bum. Why did you hire him, have him on your payroll for 12 years, and have him do so much of your journey work? Because a long time ago, he did me a favor. A long time ago, he did me a
3: favor. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, what does that mean? I mean, he was, like you said, he was on the payroll for 12 years.
4: 12 years.
3: Because a long time ago. He did me a favor? He did
4: me a favor. And, I, I mean, the, the thing that uh, is—
3: It's a hell of a favor. Yeah, it,
4: it, I mean, it, it's a—you know, that that brings to mind the type of favor that would, uh, you know, uh, you, you talk about in The Godfather. You know, I mean, like, yeah. someday I'll do you—you you do me a favor, <laughs> and, and, I'll put you and then my, I'll do you a favor. I'll put and, you, and, you on know, my payroll r- for 12 years. Right. I mean, it, it's—and uh, and again, like, the, I'm not trying to— you know cast aspersions on people from new york who who have you know like who, things like you know who get a little uh, animated in their discussion sure. you know cuz i mean if, if i think in, in particularly people from from queens and and places like that they, sometimes they might exaggerate just how tough they sound is like do
3: i have interest in that no no uh, <laughs> Look, for those of you that are listening in new york <laughs> and you just got so upset that you spit out your gobble you were having for breakfast <laughs> we apologize <laughs>
4: Some of my best friends are New Yorkers. <laughs> Actually, one of our one of our uh, favorite guests, Gideon Berger, he's from Rockaway. Sure, yeah. He's from real like yeah, real I mean, like true Blue Queens, <laughs> Southern Queens, um, you know. But you know, it, it just it's it just brings. I mean, it's just weird. I mean, it is one of those moments where if you stop, if you just stop for a second and you listen to to the interactions, you're like, wait a second, where am I? Like, like, what what is happening here? Is this is this an episode of Futurama? You know, is this is this I mean, what where what is where is this going? You know, I mean, like I thought we were just covering leadership elections this week. You know, right. Like, like right. We're, we just we were just, you know, covering kind of like what you know, what happens if Nancy Pelosi falls short on the first round of balloting on January 3rd and things like that. I mean, like that's what I, you know, kind of. You know that's that was what I've sort of comfortably got into journalism for is like all this sort of political intrigue and so forth. And now we're talking about like, you know, lawyers who are you know who's first got into trouble with federal prosecutors because of the way that they were selling. He was, you know, getting his hack licenses and whether that might have been mixed up with like Russians in Brighton Beach and all this kind of stuff. It's like, wait a second, this is the president's lawyer. What's going on here?
3: <laughs> it, it is a whole new calculus to figure out how to cover the news, right? Uh, and and I think that the media has been slow to figure out how to cover somebody like Donald Trump, but I think that they're starting to, just now, right. really start to, start to get it. You know, for me, uh, there's a quote, uh, and, and I'm not going to uh, get it right verbatim, but there was a quote that someone asked Donald Trump during the campaign uh, that there was a fear that his taxes would be part of an October surprise and that we would actually see his tax returns. Uh, as if that would matter, but <laughs> right. but 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 uh, someone asked him, you know, is there a concern that your tax returns are going to come out as an October surprise? He goes, I would just say that they're not mine, <laughs> I would just say they're not real, <laughs> very very and, casually, right?
4: And and again, I mean, it, it's almost, I, 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 um, not to make too tenuous a connection here, but um. Ricky Jay died earlier th- this week. Uh, you know the, the magician, the card sharp, and the frequent collaborator with David Mamet. But David Mamet, you know, has Renaissance has, man. Right, he is a rena- Renaissance man. David Mamet certainly. Um, if if you've seen his movies, if you look at some of his plays, he loves covering, um, you know, graft and, and and these and these things and and the and what's amazing about these movies like House of Games or Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross uh, and, 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 so forth is that the, and, and the, the plays that, that he based them on that he wrote is the, the psychology of it and how, and how much people want to believe. I mean, and, and people, and, and politicians know this like sort of inherently that you can tell people kind of what they want to hear. And that's a way of connecting with them. Um, it, and it's just that most people are just terrible at it <laughs> and, and they don't have as much practice and, you know, and, Trump, you know, made a name for himself and he made a fortune through an inheritance from and, and a, a series of tax related fraud uh, perpetuated by his father, but also like in a career out of, you know, interacting with public figures and and sort of getting his way because he could tell people what they wanted to hear. And he, he's talked about this on, on his show on shows, whether it's like about The Apprentice. Um, I mean, he 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 kind of perpetuates like that. This is a world that you want to be a part of, you know, like the, my world, the Trump world. And I think that, you know, that, that explains, I think, a lot of the the um, the appeal. You know, right? I mean, people do want to believe that America can be, can be great again, especially if they're you know, they've been struggling. Right. I've mean,
3: i, I I've said this a couple of times on the show. Uh, and It's worth repeating. Uh, the Washington, D.C. press corps ha- had no I think they're getting it, but had no idea how to cover Trump. Right. If you look at who knew how to cover Trump, it was the people who had covered New York media right. for a long time. Because <clears throat> Donald Trump is not a complicated guy. I right. mean, he is in a lot of ways, but like to, to his public persona is really not that complicated. Right. Well, I
4: mean- uh, the, so What yeah, you just said.
3: He'll right. tell you what you want to hear. Right. Whether it's the truth or not, he'll tell you what you want to hear.
4: Well, I mean, the the, the, the the there was a story just, I mean, I, I, I saw it yesterday, I think it was in New York Magazine, and I apologize if it was in New York Magazine, uh, about- the USFL, you know, and, and and how things would have possibly turned out a little differently if he would have bought the Bills, maybe not so great for the Buffalo Bills, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but but uh, but you know, the, but he, you know, he he bought the, you know, he was the owner of the New Jersey Generals. Uh, he signed Herschel Walker. Uh, you know who was the you know the Heisman Trophy winner you know in in previous years, and you know the, the USFL had this this little thing right. I mean they they played spring football and and it wasn't the biggest enterprise in the world, but you know it was it, they they had their little niche. It's not it wasn't a bad idea. Right. And and it was more fun. It was they opened it up, and the NFL was kind of stayed and so forth. And Trump, you know, got the New Jersey Generals, and then he started pushing for them to go head to head with the NFL, <laughs> which is the <laughs> dumbest thing. Yes, and and lo and behold, they never played a fall game because the league went belly up because they were trying. You know, they they got hit with an antitrust lawsuit by the NFL. I mean, they, it's just it's just like that. They could have stayed. You know, like I had to say it, like kind of small time, but also like you know. Maybe even made it, you know. I mean, there are plenty. Of, you know, the World Football League didn't make it either. You know, there, you know, professional sports is a tough thing. But like they, you know, he he pushed them into this, and and they they all kind of went along. <laughs> you know, it's just it was it's this, crazy. Yeah, it, and and it and it was it, it it when you think about like what the way that he did that is, he's like, no, you can be bigger. We can be bigger. We can we can take on the NFL. And the thing that is. It, what eventually comes out in a lot of these things with trump is that eventually he runs into somebody who's not impressed (laughs) like the economy or (laughs) or atlantic city real estate values or you know things that are immutable and i wonder if you know again like bob Mueller, is one of those immutable forces which is why he you know like they, they they really picked up the i mean the the tweets from the president were really picked up earlier this week about, you know, casting you know, questions about how much this was costing and what a phony witch hunt this was and so forth. And, uh, you know, the, the Bob Mueller, you know, sort of represents somebody who is not all that impressed, you know, with, with Donald Trump. I mean, he's not going to be swayed by it necessarily, by, by anything that, that Trump tells him. And that's got to be the scariest thing. You know, for Trump,
3: I have to read a couple of tweets because he he tweeted two hours ago, so oh. he's he's you know up early.
4: <laughs> I hear Buenos Aires is beautiful this time of
3: year. Uh, um, yeah, well, I have to read this tweet. <laughs> I I have to get the right tone when I read it because it looks like he's being sarcastic. But here's what Donald Trump, here's what Donald Trump tweeted this morning. Oh, I get it. I'm a very good developer, happily living my life. When I see our country going in the wrong direction, to put it mildly. Against all odds, I decide to run for president and continue to run my business. Very legal and very cool. Talked about <laughs> talked about very about, legal, very cool. Very legal, very cool. Uh, talked about it on the campaign trail. Lightly looked at doing a building somewhere in Russia. <laughs> put up zero money, zero guarantee, and didn't do the project. Witch hunt. Those are the tweets from our now, big boy. Now,
4: just just looking at that, I mean, who who all? I mean, we do this for a living, right? Like we follow the news, we report the news, we read the news. I mean, like uh, you know, we're we're news junkies and we're political sure. news junkies, and so we're we're paid to pay attention to to this. Yes. If you're just a regular person off the street, yeah, can you follow that? No. Can you follow that tweet? No, honestly, no. Very it's, legal
3: and very cool.
4: Very legal, very cool. You know, and and also the the it it's kind of whiny too. I mean, th- this is what I don't understand: is that the there's so much talk about like how Trump, um, you know, sort of plugs into people's machismo, like this this sort of forgotten machismo. But like, I mean, he's, I'm so glad you're talking. He about. he's whining. I mean, he's whining here, right? Like, I I had a perfectly good life and I didn't need any of this, but I decided to save the world, and here
3: I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you're talking about this. This is one of my favorite things. All these people that look at Donald Trump as, as you know, some sort of alpha male, and you see these cartoonists that are pro-Trump that paint him in this like almost a bodybuilder, right? Yeah,
4: he's this muscular, you know, kind of like figure. Yeah,
3: yeah, and he's not. (laughs) Like you said, I mean, he whines constantly on Twitter, just constant whining.
4: I mean, if he was 25 years old. Whining like this, people would be like unfollow, unfollow. Like I I don't need, I don't need to hear this. Like you know, go back to live with your parents in their basement. Like I mean, like on all seriousness. Like you know if if he was if, like just worked somewhere like at price coopers or whatever like this yeah. is where the boss would call him in and say like hey uh, normally we don't like to in you know interfere with people's like personal lives but your social media habits are like reflecting poorly on the company the, like can you knock it off please yes, the president of the united states
3: <laughs> the waiter at schnippers was very rude to me <laughs> sad soup very cold soup very cold <laughs> fly in soup don't go here disgusting coffee very lukewarm (laughs) it's not right Herschel Walker overrated
4: (laughs) (laughs) by the way I I have to as long as we have the football stuff going up so I didn't I didn't realize this but I I, you know somebody we had in our um, our own photo archives a roll call um, um, from a, a rally that Trump did in Buffalo or outside of Buffalo uh, with Rex Ryan when Ryan was the coach of the Bills, right? And um, and so somebody, I, I I wish I could remember where this was because uh, it was just sort of priceless. They are like, who's Rex Ryan? <laughs> oh, I know what it was. <laughs> we are talking about the Redskins and how they had signed Mark Sanchez.
3: Yeah, which is amazing.
4: <laughs> just, this is, uh, for those of you uh, keeping score at home, this is the former Jets uh, quarterback, um, and... <laughs>
3: Uh, the architect of one of the greatest plays in football history, the butt fumble. The butt fumble.
4: <laughs> so Sanchez was the quarterback of the Jets. Uh, Rex Ryan was the uh, coach of the Jets, and this was one of those like small, tantalizing moments for Jets fans, um, where they they where things are you know uh, turning around, and they have a couple of good seasons. They went to the AFC Championship game, and then you know everything sort of fell apart. But not before uh, Ryan uh, Ryan's wife. Uh, had it got a tattoo of her husband in a in a Sanchez jersey uh like on her on her shoulder, uh you know, or on her on her arm. Yeah. Which is just, you know, I mean, can I say this? Like objectively, that's just weird. It's right? a little weird. It's, it's a little weird. It's um, a little weird. Um, uh and
3: <laughs> now you couldn't see the tattoo in the foot right. fetish videos that they made, <laughs> right. which is a true story. I didn't make true, that up.
4: True story. Uh, and so Ryan, you know, wears, wears out his welcome in New Jersey. Leaves the Jets. I mean, of all, of all, when when the Jets don't want you, you know, like you 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 might consider another career. It's, I uh, think that's called bottom, right? <laughs> but then he went to Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and at one point, you know, there there were uh, qu- questions about whether Trump might actually buy the uh, the Buffalo Bills, uh, wh- whether he would operate where he would fulfill his. Sort of long-held uh, desire to be an NFL owner uh, that fell apart. That deal fell apart, um, and you know. So Ryan, but Ryan is one of Trump's and during the campaign, one of his big supporters, and so we had these photos of Rex Ryan, and I had, and, and I and I realized as I'm explaining all this, the tattoo, Sanchez, uh, foot fetishes, um, the Bills, the Jets, all this, and and I and and, I'm, and I step back and I'm like. We're talking about the president here. and We're talking about the president. And like, this sounds like crazy man talk. Like, I mean, this is like, you know, if, if uh, I, I was thinking about this yesterday too, with the, this, the whole plot of what's going on with Cohen, with Manafort, with Cortis, with Roger Stone, you know, all these things. If John Le Carre had gone to his publisher and said like, here's my, here's the plot, you know, that, that I'm thinking about, here's the new novel that I'm thinking about. You know, I, I can't help but think that the publisher would be like, you know, John. Uh, for sixty years, you've been the the preeminent espionage writer in the English language, but this is just bullshit. I mean, like we can't, <laughs> we cannot run. I mean, like we'd be laughed out. Like people would laugh at us at, at like book reviewers. You know, the, I mean.
3: <laughs> and the thing is that all the stuff that you just laid out is a fraction of what's actually right. going on. That's just like not even the most salacious stuff right. that comes out of the Donald Trump presidency.
4: Right. I mean, the, the, I think Bill Maher, uh Bill Maher's tweet uh, yesterday, you know, it, it was just this like this long. It, it was hardly contained within one tweet. You know, it was like so aside from the connections to the American mob, the Russian mob, hookers, tax fraud. You know, I mean, he just had this like long line. There right. is no there there. Right. Right. <laughs> and right. And it's just like everything is is like this one chapter. And I think this is what has has kind of. Uh, wh- one of the reasons I've been begging off reading like the Woodward book, you know, or the, or you know, like the uh, fear, and and because it just seems like we're living this every day, and I just I don't know, I don't feel like I don't know if I can invest that kind of time in a book, knowing that again it's just this like fraction, you know, of 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 the story that we're like so, sort of surrounded by, um, so you know this is why. This is, I mean, Mueller's a busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a quiet retirement. <laughs> no, I would say
3: not. <laughs> all
4: right. We're going to uh, wrap up this part of our program. We're going to bring in Catherine Tully McManus, who's going to talk about what's going on with Congress, when this lame duck, and who are all these new people and their social medias on co- in Congress. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. We are back, Um, Jason Dick, sitting in for Bill Press, uh, who has flown to Helsinki. Uh, He got confused on where Trump was going to be, so he went to Helsinki, but we're rerouting him to Buenos Aires. Uh, he should be there sometime before the G20 summit is over. That is probably not true. Uh, I am Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor of news at Roll Call. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason J. Dick. And I am joined by my colleague, Catherine Tully McManus, uh, KTM to those who know her well. Uh, and you can follow her on Twitter at Tully McManus. KTM, welcome to the show.
0: Great to be here.
4: So let's talk a little bit about this new Congress. Um, We finally have some closure on uh, most of the elections. They are... Um, you know, I think there's one outstanding in in California, or is it New York? I don't know. But I mean, we, we kind of know what the f- new face of this Congress is going to be like. You've been, you know, kind of shadowing some of these newer members. Mm-hmm. But in general, how different is this new Congress going to be? Because it's it it's certainly when you see the freshman photo, the freshman class photos, and so forth, it's like, oh wow, this is not like your, This is not the Buick of Congresses. This is not or the Oldsmobile of Congresses. This is not your father's Congress, is it?
0: No, absolutely not. Um, the first thing to know is that there's tons of new members. Mm-hmm. So not sometimes it's just a new Congress in name, right. you know, if tons of incumbents end up winning. Um, but that isn't the case this year. There is going to be close to 100 new members. Um, so that's a ton of fresh faces who are going to have to kind of... Learn the reins and also uh, be developing new relationships, fresh relationships, both among themselves, but also with their leaderships Mm -hmm. and um, their committee assignments, etc. The other thing to look at is women in the new Congress. There
4: are a lot of them. Tons uh, th- of them. Th- th- this is the story of the Democrats win, right? I mean, the, yes. the, the, they were powered by the women's vote and they were powered by women
0: candidates. Yes. Record numbers of women ran in mm-hmm. the 2016. Excuse me. I'm stuck. It only in the past. feels
4: like 2016. The
0: 2018 <laughs> midterm cycle um, and record numbers. And that spread all the way down into governorships mm-hmm. and, and state level uh, state legislatures, too. Um, and a record number of women won. And so they will be. Uh, more of a n- powered force in Congress than they have been in a long time. And it's looking very much like Nancy Pelosi will be leading the Democrats right. who will have the House. Uh, and so a woman at the top in the House and women in higher positions mm-hmm. and in higher numbers than we've seen ever before.
4: Yeah. And we'll we'll get to the the uh, some, some of those leadership elections. We alluded to them a little bit earlier. Uh, but first, like the the. Just the the sheer number. I mean, we're talking, you know, the the. I mean, when you when you pick up forty seats as as Democrats, it looks like it'll the number will be forty. Um, I mean, that's just sort of a seat change. But this is almost mirroring kind of the demographics we're seeing, like in the workplace, right? I mean, there there are fewer, uh, you know, people are retiring. Uh, people are getting the baby boom is is the generation is sort of beginning to retire and beginning to you know kind of move down to Florida <laughs> or. or uh, and, and it's being replaced by people who are in your generation, who are millennials, who are, and to a certain extent, some Gen Xers. I mean, Peter, were you know, you and I were, we are irrelevant as a generation. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, but there were a few Gen Xers that, that are, yes. are, are, are coming to Congress. But what, you know, you've been covering the orientation because like, you know, right after the election, uh, the, the, the week after the election, the orientation for new members started. And we automatically saw some things that we just, you know, hadn't been a part of the program before. Which is, you know, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who made you know headlines earlier this year by knocking off Joe Crowley, the incumbent uh, House Democratic Caucus Chairman in New York. Uh, she attracted a lot of attention for you know some of her social media posts, which you know are easy to sort of you know be like, oh, you know, that's just somebody young. But this is a this is a sea change for a member of Congress, right? To be like, hey, check this out. This is really kind of cool.
0: Yeah, even I'm sure that there were limitations on uh, the freshman members for taking video and like anything live um, inside. For example, the leadership elections mm-hmm. and things. But she, what she really did was take photos of where she was and explain what she was doing, both to her constituents. And she is a person who has fo- a following well outside mm-hmm. the Bronx and Queens. Um, yes, and <laughs> and so uh, kind of. The and how she's equating uh, herself with things. I know the other night she did uh, a live video on Instagram of a girls' night that she had with the new co-chair of the Progressive Caucus. They had some wine, they had some dinner together, and they just did a live about what they're excited about mm-hmm. for the upcoming Congress. They're both women of color, and they have big progressive ideals that they want to get through, um, unlikely for President Trump to sign any of them, mm-hmm. but they are so energized to be working together excuse me working together towards these progressive goals um and frankly when she's taking pictures of what she calls her squad of freshmen which Mm -hmm. is a a pretty sizable group of women of color in the freshman class um she's getting tons of positive feedback Mm -hmm. and as are the other members of th- that caucus.
3: I'm I'm mostly just excited that there's a member of Congress that actually knows how to use social media <laughs> in an effective way, right? right. Like
4: it's not just sending out basically press releases, you know? Right, like through, right. Through, like you know the, their Facebook, you know, wall. You and know, she'll or,
3: yeah. she'll take on people who criticize her on Twitter. I, like th- just this week alone, or maybe it was the end of last week, she just completely dunked on Lindsey Graham and <laughs> Sebastian Gorka because uh, she had some comments about the care van and uh and she just destroyed them on twitter which is way more genuine and real than right. you know uh, bob corker talking about you know tariff <laughs> legislation on fleek you know it's just, it's like it doesn't work happens you know, all the time yeah it's just it's not genuine and she just gets it. Well,
4: and one of the things that—I mean, th- this is perhaps a, a little bit uncomfortable comparison, but, you know, the, one of the things that I think people have responded to with the president is that there there are, there's almost no question that he is running his Twitter feed. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing with Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, she is—I mean, there is no, like— Staffer, you know, who is like sort of, you know, putting putting, you know, this this feed together. I mean, for one, she uses social media like people actually do, where they're it's actually a reflection of themselves too, and so they'll be a part of it, as you said, with these photos of the squad, right?
0: Something that was the most relatable thing that I've seen her post was when her Instagram live with the Progressive Caucus co-chair. Went dead because her phone died.
4: Right. <laughs> yes.
0: And then she picked she picked it back up while she was walking, uh, either to, to probably to where she was staying or to her metro. And this was like pretty late at night. And she's like, Sorry guys, "Sorry guys, my phone died." Still
4: and and still at only five percent. So this could yeah. this could end abruptly right now too. <laughs> like I start getting a little nervous when I get to like forty percent. I mean, and, and that's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's like having a full day, you know, of of, of battery. Um, no, the I mean, and again, not to obsess about her, but, you know, this um, it's one post where she they were in the the Library of Congress and she said, you guys, this is Hogwarts. Yes. I mean, which which is, again, is specific on a very on a couple of like reasons, because, you know, for, you know, an entire generation you know who grew up with Harry Potter i mean that's it's, me. yes it, 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 but, and like that's like for me that's like a star wars reference you know right. for for my generation i mean it's like there yes star wars is an important like cultural like you know reference point for everybody on the planet same mm-hmm. thing with harry potter same thing with star trek these kind of things but it is different when you're when when it starts with you you Absolutely. know when, when when you're 6 years old and you go to see the movie or when you're 5 years old and you start reading you know Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone if you're in Britain uh, you know and and that that was just this sort of moment that like this is an entirely different world than say the one Lindsey
3: Graham or Bob Corker is is occupying Absolutely. Bill is just happy when anybody makes a hoagie Carmichael reference yeah.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> another thing that is gonna change a little bit how this Congress works is that the not just generational differences but also that comes with other things there's mm-hmm. a going to be a huge number of young families mm-hmm. in the new Congress, um, and that's something that uh, was taken into consideration when they launched the schedule for right, 2019 yeah. yesterday.
4: Yeah, so let's let's talk about this. I mean, like the House, um, you know, this is the first time the Democrats have gotten to dictate the, the House schedule since they in the majority back in, in 2010. Um, we sent it out where, you know, because we're nerds, we were excited. We're like, yeah. oh, cool. You know, we get to see, you know, what we get to compare what it was like, you know, and, and so forth. But also, we could start planning our lives, you know, like uh, one year out. And one of the things that struck me was that the you know as, as you pointed out in your story uh, for, for this is that like that Steny Hoyer the majority the incoming majority leader he you know took into account like the that a lot of people particularly a lot of younger people they have families and they want they don't want to be so separated from them for such long periods of time and so, like once a month, they will have a break, you know. And and this is actually not too dissimilar from the way the Republicans had run the House too. They had a, they had a schedule where they had like two weeks in Washington, one week in the district. It's not that like rigid, but it looks like they're once a month they'll be gone at, at a minimum.
0: Absolutely, there's definitely very clear similarities between how the schedule will run and how it's been running mm-hmm. under Republican control. Um, yesterday, I talked to. Ben McAdams from Utah and Mickey Sherrill. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both um, praised the schedule, specifically noting both having young families um, and having the flexibility to see their kids for longer than just, you know, a day and a half if mm-hmm. you were keeping a tight weekend schedule plus fly in, fly out time. Right. But also a huge emphasis on constituent connection mm-hmm. um, and the idea that it's, when we call it recess in Washington, the House actually refers to it as, as a district work period. District work period. <laughs> yes. Um. But I know that uh, Mickey Sherrill was really emphatic yesterday when I talked to her about holding town hall meetings, mm-hmm. which people in her district haven't seen since 2013, mm-hmm. um, and she'd like to bring that back and having the opportunity to plan and can and have those events and connect with constituents they're excited out. But I also can imagine that going home after a town hall to hang with your kids, it beats going to your one bedroom apartment or your congressional roommates. Right.
4: So, and, and you know, one of the things that is, is, there's a discussion that is sort of underway about like how, how connected will people be to Washington? Um, again, Ocasio-Cortez you know, sort of prompted some of this because she said, like, I don't really have like a ton of money uh, to to start a you know to to get an apartment before I start collecting my congressional salary. Um, you know, she was a bartender and a teacher and a social worker. You know, in 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 the Bronx and, and Queens before getting elected. And yes, you can use some money from your campaign. To, um to make you know expenses for offices and so forth but like she will go you know she, she will be making a lot more money than a bartender makes in in Queens uh, but it doesn't start until until January so and this brought up this question of like okay, you know, Washington is not this cheap place to live. Uh, you know, as as, as as as, <laughs> as we all know, uh, and for somebody who's 29 years old, uh, and and this is the story of the the your generation. You know, in, in particular, that you haven't had enough time to uh, accumulate assets. College is incredibly expensive. Housing is incredibly expensive. Your wages suck. You know, <laughs> when, <laughs> when when you're starting and and uh, out in in a job, so. It's a it's a different world than somebody who's like a fifty five year old successful businessman from Texas, you know, in the eighties, coming to Washington D.C. and getting an, a two bedroom apartment, or buying a house for you know considerably under market you know value at, at that point. I mean, this is a hot city. This is like living in like Hong Kong in the nineties or something.
0: You Absolutely, know? and I think an interesting pivot that we've seen is that these freshmen are not talking about. They are talking about the cost of living and the realities of being young and being expected to maintain two homes, is frankly what the expectation is. um, Because you have to, you know, have a residence in your district. Um, But then you also have to have somewhere to crash uh, when you're in DC. Um, But they're not talking about what so many Republican men have done in the House in recent years, which is sleeping in your office, sleeping in your office, um, (laughs) which has raised, you know, some alarm bells, but never really got traction. I'm right. so um, glad you're
3: talking about this, because this d- drives me insane.
4: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, in w- the last time that we wrote about it with a Roll Call, our, our uh, um, colleague David Hawkins wrote about it about a year, year and a half ago, and he estimated, because there's no hard count of who's sleeping in their office, right, uh, it, that as many as 40 members in the House were sleeping in their offices. Does,
0: and that includes Paul Ryan, yeah. is that correct?
4: Uh, Paul Ryan, when he's in When he was when he's in D.C., he sleeps in his uh, I think his office is in the Longworth uh, House office building on Independence Avenue. So he I mean, he has the speaker's office is much nicer and has a view of the uh, of the mall and and so forth. But like the you know, the the seldomly, you know, trafficked, at least for Paul Ryan, personal office uh, for the you know, for his district in in Wisconsin, he would go back and, and sleep there. I mean, the Speaker of the House. Also, like you know, I mean, that seemed more philosophical than financial because Definitely. Paul Ryan is not uh, a destitute by any means. Um, but it's still just kind of gross, and it's it's also like it brings up questions of like taxpayer. You know, the right? Is that when people this.
0: talk about you know with disparagement, uh, public housing and government mm-hmm. handouts? Uh, <laughs> what is the house gym? Right. Showers. You know. Right. Um, and I think that is. I think part of why this uh, fresh crop of Democrats is not suggesting that they'll be doing that. Right. Also, I think the family element is uh, if you want to have your kids come and visit you in right. D.C., uh, maybe having somewhere for them to stay, even if it's a pull-out couch, uh, would be ideal.
4: Right. And so we we might see, we've seen this before. Um, you know, there was the infamous um, sort of uh, Al- Alpha House. It was, it was a, a TV show but for Amazon based on the... The dwelling that George Miller and Chuck Schumer and, and Dick Durbin uh, and, uh, and somebody from Massachusetts initially, um, you know, the name saves me. But there were four guys living in this row house that was, you know, about 900 square feet, uh, but close to the Capitol. Uh, and then there was also a, a, a house that uh, some, some women in the house uh, were, were living in, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Melissa Bean. Uh, and a couple of other, uh, couple other folks. And so, do you think we might see some of this like almost group home type uh, situation with with some of the members?
0: I think we definitely could. Um, I think it really depends um, on how they decide to allocate their finances. Um, uh-huh. But I, especially with the bonds that seem to be forming among women in the mm-hmm. freshman class, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some pretty great roommate pairings. Mm-hmm. Uh, But that also leads itself to not really ever being able to escape work while you are in DC, which maybe that is what they want. They want to be all in when they're here and then all in with their constituents when they're at home. Um, But I also think uh, a lot of members have really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always fascinated I really doubt in this political climate that there'll be any cross the aisle roommate pairings. But I think that is a thing that has definitely happened in the past, especially Mm -hmm. uh, members who are from the same home state, for example, um, because then they can carpool to the airport, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Uh, But I don't think in these trying times that's realistic. Uh, But I know a lot of people talk about how the going home every four days Mm -hmm. has really eroded Uh, the ability for members to compromise because they don't really know each other personally. When they had to see each other all the time because they were kind of stuck in Washington because of either cost or distance, et cetera, um, to getting back to their district, uh, they really did have to eat meals, have roommates Mm -hmm. and everything all together. Um, And it's really hard to uh, say, even though you're not technically allowed to disparage your colleagues um, on the House or Senate floor... It's a lot harder when you know them so personally.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the um, orientation is, this is the second week of it, it's coming to a close, uh, and it always comes to a close with the same uh, big event, and you're heading to that uh, shortly after uh, we wrap up here. Right after I grab a bagel. Tell us about the, the, the... the draft lottery. Uh, if if it was if this was ESPN, uh, we'd be in a ballroom. <laughs> but this is going to be the lottery for office space.
0: Yes. Um. So there is a wide range of quality of office space on Capitol Hill. <laughs>
4: yes, there is.
0: Among the especially the House office buildings, um, and the freshmen, the new incoming class for the 116th Congress, get the dregs. Right. That's how it always is. Um, as members uh retired or resigned in this current congress those rooms are not will not be available to freshmen if they're any good because current members who aren't happy with their space will move on up into those spaces and that creates a domino effect that leaves available the bottom of the barrel options um, which include the top floor of the cannon house office building which is also currently under construction so some freshmen will have to pick those rooms and then we'll have to move out of those rooms for Canon, the ongoing Canon renovation, which is just a ridiculous.
4: It's sort of a home you know, the homeless project, you know, right. for, for office space.
0: Yeah. Um but what is exciting today is that they it is a true lottery. They pick numbers in alphabetical order and your number determines what or, the order that you get to pick the offices. And so you will see good luck charms. You will see shouting. You will see disappointment. Um, I know that some of the last picks in recent years, Barbara Comstock got a a last pick recently, and we at roll call got some phenomenal photos of her (laughs) disappointment. And also some hands up, shouting, cheering images will come out of today, I'm sure, as people get the top pick.
4: And and it really is like they you know they churn a, a like a ball like like the lottery, and they pull like you know they. They sort of pull things out of this you know, the, this sort of container, and that's that determines how they get to pick. I mean, and it's then kind of the crazy. hunt begins, right. which
0: um, I know we will have a reporter out there today uh, tracking one of the fresh members, but they really have, in my speaking with the incoming class, they have not used very much of their time at all during orientation to explore office spaces. They really are taking the position of what will come will come. Um, but once they have that number, (laughs) once they have that number, then they all disperse and Mm -hmm. start the hunt and take a look at all the vacant offices. They get a list of what's vacant and they just get to poke around. It is a hilarious exercise of measuring the drapes.
4: And it's also like it's it it takes a place amid this like big clutter purge uh, as, as other members are when they're moving or the people who are retiring. I mean, you just the hallways of Congress. It is like it is like the dorms on the last day. Of school, I mean, it, it's just people like literally have like free take this, like get rid of this crap, please. For, uh, like it, for any Boston uh, listeners,
0: <laughs> it is Alston Christmas, but for Congress, yes, you know, just portraits and artwork <laughs> and boxes of documents. Who knows if those are good documents, secret documents? They're just out in the hallway,
4: and and you get to realize if as you're walking through just how little people throw away, you know, in in their time. So, um, a, a couple of years ago, Jim McDermott, who had been in Congress for over 20 years. Uh, outside of his office, his office I believe uh, there was an old IBM Selectric typewriter, <laughs> like that, like, and it was green. It was really kind of cool looking. Like, and I thought, like, this is like, this is a man who did not throw very much away from the time he got here. <laughs> so, so um, one other oddity of this lame duck uh, Congress, you know, this is a, the what we refer to as the time from Election Day to the start of the new Congress on January 3rd is um, we have members who, are swor- who win spe- special elections sometimes who only serve like a few weeks because for, for whatever reason, they didn't run in the general election or maybe they lost the general election in strange circumstances or they lost a primary. And we've got a few of these folks. And my favorite one is Brenda Jones, uh, who is a Democrat from Michigan. She was elected, um, t- and she, she was just sworn in yesterday. Let's let's talk just for a few seconds, because we've got about two minutes to go, uh, the strange saga of Brenda Jones.
0: <laughs> okay, so Brenda Jones was elected to fill a, a seat that was vacated the Detroit d- district last December. So it has been vacant for almost a full year. This was John
4: Conyers' seat, right.
0: Um. Mm-hmm. And so she won what was the race for that open seat. Mm -hmm. However, she lost the primary for that same seat for the new Congress, Rashida Tlaib. Mm -hmm. Um, Who's
4: one of Ocasio-Cortez's gal pals.
0: Yes, part of the squad. Um, So Brenda Jones was sworn in, and she will serve out the rest of Conyers' term, which ends at the end of the month. And Um, could
4: end as soon as next Friday. Right. (laughs) For all intents and purposes. (laughs) Because we'll
0: take a break for the holidays. Um, But then the seat will be filled by uh, Rashida Tlaib. Uh, The crazier part of this is that because this is going to be very much a short term, part time job for Jones, she really did not want to give up her seat. Is as as she's the president of the Detroit City Council? Right. You don't give up a prime gig like that for right. something that you might only do for a week and a half. Right. Um, and so this is not unprecedented, but the precedent goes back to the turn of the 20th century. Right,
4: that you can't hold two offices simultaneously. But right. for some reason, and we're still we're still reporting on it. We're still trying yep. to figure out what exactly led to this agreement to let her get sworn in. Uh, she also will likely run. In in 2020 uh, against Tlaib. I mean, like you know, so so it helps to have that uh, that little title there, uh, con- Congresswoman, you know, even for only for a few weeks. But it was this weird situation, you know I mean? And this this kind of stuff just seems to, ha- to happen uh, with somewhat regularity. <laughs>
0: For all those ethics concerned out there, she will not get any of the post-Congress right. benefits, right. perks. She won't get any of the stuff that right. former members get because she will not serve even close to the required amount of time to get any of the good stuff.
4: Catherine, thank you so much for running us through orientation, and good luck today covering the draft lottery. Thank
2: you. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, YouTube youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
1: thing you need to fight the Trump administration this is the bill press show live at youtube.com slash the bill press
4: show welcome back uh i'm jason dick i'm sitting in for bill press uh bill is in en route uh to argentina uh he is going to uh be covering the g20 or maybe not uh you know he's probably just on his couch right now uh didn't want to come into work and allowing me to guest host for you uh, I'm joined this hour by Jennifer Shutt. She is our budget appropriations uh, uh, staff writer for CQ. She is going to tell us about whether we're going to have a partial government shutdown, which is one of our favorite topics. We're also going to talk about some other weirdnesses, like uh, the um, some of these joint select committees that had uh, statutes that said, like, you have to report these things, as well as uh, some of the stuff that you covered yesterday about women leading the House Appropriations Committee. But first, we're going to talk about this is the full Whatever Peter broadcast. wants to
3: Yes, lots and lots of other big stories making news. Now, I just want to be very clear. This next story is not Funny. It is not a funny <laughs> well, story. Well, we
4: opened up with the war hostel in Sarajevo, That's right. so that wasn't funny either. No, that so was this, not. Is funny. this less funny than this that? This
3: is less funny than that because yesterday a federal grand jury indicted three members of the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department because they beat a protester in 2017. Now it turns out that the protester that they beat was an undercover police officer who was at the protest <laughs> trying yeah. to. So why are you laughing if this is not funny, funny. Peter? It's not not funny, Jason. (laughs) It's not funny at all. Uh, And there was a fourth officer who was also indicted and accused of conspiring to cover up the incident. This is like something from
4: The Wire. If you're going to
3: beat the hell out of a protester, you might want to make sure that it is not Not a a police officer that you are beating up. Just...
4: That there was that was actually like a, a thing in The Wire. Like, remember Presbuleski? He he shot he that's shot somebody right. who who was an undercover cop. That's in, right. In season three, which is why he like grew a beard and
3: became a teacher. He became a teacher. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's absolutely. The right.
4: wire is on the brain because of your dog. I didn't know your dog's name was Weebay.
3: My dog's name is Weebay. Uh, he was adopted from Baltimore, and so we named him. He's a giant, cuddly, golden doodle. It's, it sounds like you, Peter. Uh, just like me. Just like I, I've been describing those exact words. Uh, and he's named after you know a drug dealing murderer. So that's that's <laughs> sort of that's how it goes. The
4: kids, the kids named him. The kids right. named him. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. It, hey, was, it was a police, an uh, honorable police officer in bunk. Yeah. A, a weak man, uh, a yeah. man with a fondness for drink and women, <laughs> or WeeBay, you know. WeeBay. Honorable right. murderer. Yeah.
3: They went with WeeBay. Uh, Jason, we got ourselves a rat beef. We got a rat beef. We had promised Cyprian early we weren't going to talk about Migos on the show today. We're not going to, (laughs) but we are going to talk about Jay-Z versus Kanye West because rapper Meek Mill has a new album out, Championships, and Jay-Z raps on it. And Jay-Z actually raps about Kanye West and slams him for his support of Donald Trump. I'm not going to read the comments because it's probably not great, for me to do but uh
4: thanks FCC
3: now the thing you have to remember here is of course Kanye West is Jay-Z's protege right and now Jay-Z is just dunking on him in a new meat mill track so
4: it's 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 got a weird like sort of Jedi master you know meets the you know the pupil who turns on him
3: we'll see how Kanye West responds uh, by the way, this I think this is bad news, Jason. Marriott discloses a massive data breach that affects up to 500 million people. Is that bad? I can't tell. Is that bad news? I think it's bad I, news. I
4: think I've stayed at a Marriott recently. It's well, probably bad news for me.
3: Here's the thing. If you stayed at a Marriott recently, they said that the breach included names, email addresses, passport numbers, travel itineraries, and, of course, possibly credit card numbers as part of the breach. So for crying out loud, if you stayed... At a Marriott, uh, you might want to rethink.
4: I think we should all ask for more points.
3: Yeah, get more points. Get more (laughs) points. And yesterday, let's go to the JFK International Airport in New York, where customs agents discovered a briefcase. It was suspicious, of course, so they opened it up. And you know what they found inside? $1.3 million worth of cocaine. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea to bring one of those to the airport. Somebody ditched it and thought they maybe couldn't bring it through.
4: I thought there were all these ways of disguising it, like you make it into powder and you make dolls out of it or some shit. I I,
3: I guess not. It's still a thing. Sorry, FCC. I I
4: just got carried away.
3: Caffeine. This is the Bill Press Show.
0: Who's
4: open? We are back. Uh, I am going to talk with Jen Shutt, CQ's budget and appropriations reporter, uh, staff writer extraordinaire, uh, and also a podcaster. Uh, CQ on Budget. She's a, uh, she's in the podcast world uh, with uh, with. I guess everybody has their podcast now, but Jen's is really good. Jen's is really good. Unlike mine, you know, no, mine's pretty good too. You know, (laughs) hey, (laughs) hey, 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 you both have great podcasts. You get a podcast, and you get a podcast, and you get a podcast. That's really uh,
5: where we're at, right? It, I mean, everyone has a podcast, right?
4: Well, and what's the? I mean, we will get to whether we're going to shut down the government or not in a second. Yeah, but I mean, what, small things. What is this? Uh, the, remind me of this podcast you go on uh, in in the one oh, the Georgetown God. guys. This I love is amazing. It. Okay, It
5: makes me so happy. So it's the Georgetown Government Affairs Institute group, and they have a, a podcast called Congress Two Beers In. And they you heard were, that right. Yes. Congress Two Beers In. Uh it's probably I mean, really, if you have to pick a DC podcast, it's of of course outside of the CQ podcast, which are the best of the best. But right. Congress Two Beers In is real great. And also
4: political theater with yeah. Jason Dick. Like that's a pretty good one too. Right?
5: Yeah. Um oh my god, recording it is so much fun. You just go over to their offices in Georgetown and you actually it's very true to the name. You sit there and you drink a beer, and then you we don't start recording until we get on our second beer. Um, And then sometimes it's technically becomes Congress three beers in because it's like a 45 minute to an hour long podcast. And they really get into the weeds of what's going on in Congress. But they also explain things real simply.
4: And they also do amazing impressions of lawmakers. the, the The first time I heard you on this podcast, I think the first 30 minutes was just them. Imitating Michael Capuano, yeah. who has an amazing, like, sort of Cambridge accent, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. In, in Massachusetts. I mean, it, it Peter, you got to listen to this podcast. Uh, yeah, it, I, it, now it, I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of like your 420 uh, edition of the Bill Press show, yeah, except yeah, yeah. every time.
3: Oh, fun! <laughs> oh, that sounds like extremely my type. Right. Of I mean, like, right. yes.
4: um, you know, they bring like people like Laszlo in, you know, to, uh, yeah. you know, to,
3: to for the for 420.
4: Well, he, for- he 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 was here for the last 420, right?
3: Yeah. M- uh, Laszlo has been here for the last couple of four twenties and uh, we include- It's strictly
4: business with him because that's his beat. I mean he yeah, covers exactly. I mean like it, he doesn't you know, he has no interest whatsoever so, you know
3: in, in it recreationally. No, no, of course not. <laughs> uh, last so two years ago we had Laszlo and the head of normal in studio. <laughs> Uh, and we all passed a join around, including Bill Press, oh, including yeah. Bill. Bill. Uh, Bill blue uh, he, he got high with us on air. And then last year, we this had, is
4: your archetypal hot box. You know, yeah, no, we, I mean, we, we, like, we hot
3: the studio absolutely. And then last year, we had someone for the, uh, as far as I know, the first time in the history of the Bill Press show, we had someone doing dabs. We brought in phone homie uh, and Instagram as star, one Dawson, and he showed us how to do dabs on air, uh, which is. Uh, very intense. <laughs> very intense.
4: <laughs> well, and you know, it's never too early to start planning the next, you know, four twenty. But yeah. like, but, but Jen's friends at, at Two Bears, they do this every every Friday. It's not, it's well, not it's football. A... They do it every day. I like. It. It's
5: <laughs> like, not like really it every Friday. Every, every
4: week. Every other week. You know.
5: <laughs> yeah, right. it's not a weekly thing. Right. It's a little bit more sporadic than that.
4: So,
3: so, uh, I know our but our next guest for the four twenty show. <laughs> 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 Clear your calendar right now, Jen. We'll have you back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take that. Can you maybe. call Pete as soon as it's done? <laughs> yes. Thank you.
4: That—that—that's her editor, Pete Cone. Like, he, I'll explain why uh, Jen is—you uh, know—might be incapacitated for uh, you know some of the, some for work reasons. Oh, it's like the teachers' lounge in here, all of
1: a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> all
4: right. Uh, so this uh, um, uh, one of the things that Peter and I were talking about at the top of the show, Jen, was that without you know the president's personal attorney pleading guilty to lying to congress and things like this this would have been a busy week regardless uh i mean we the, take out uh, take aside all that stuff and we are in the you know we're a, a week away from government funding running out uh for nine you know nine nine different appropriations bills that you know that finance everything from the homeland security department to the commerce department and so forth so um, where are we? I mean, like, because it, it, it seems like they they talked a lot about Yemen. They talked a lot about the president. They talked a lot about judges. They talked a lot about Nancy Pelosi this week. They talked a lot about orientation. But uh, you know, at at some point, they they do need to kind of get this, you know, the government funded or figure something out on a short term basis. So where are we in in terms of <laughs> like, is the government going to shut down or not in a week?
5: Yeah. So this is a pretty complicated answer. I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. So do you need a beer? Uh, I mean, I feel like we it's have still. Beers in the kitchen, I mean, can we do mimosas? It's like, it's still a little early. But um, yeah, so just the basics there's 12 annual spending bills. The mm-hmm. fiscal year began back on October 1st. They did get a lot of their work. They're so only
4: two months late on this year. <laughs>
5: <laughs> they did get a lot of their work done on time. Uh, five of the 12 spending bills got enacted back in September, and they make up roughly right, 75 percent of that. Right, the Defense
4: Department's one of them. So, like, they, they took care of a lot of yeah, the Yeah, so, things.
5: I mean, if – and then so they did one of those stopgap spending bills for the other seven bills, which is roughly nine departments and a handful of agencies, including NASA. Right. And so what they're trying to do right now is work out those final seven spending bills and get agreement on them and basically it sounds like there's mostly agreement on everything but the border wall section of the Homeland Security there it is. bill. Oh, it
4: does come back to Trump.
5: Yeah, <laughs> the, the, I mean, everything the, right. does at this point in time, right? right.
4: So what's the, what's the disagreement over? Because it does seem like when you talk to, I mean, and, and you talk to these folks all day long for the most part. I mean, whether it's... <laughs> Eighty-three-year-old Richard Shelby, who runs the uh, Senate Appropriations Committee, or P- or folks who are you know in the know over in the House side, like Tom Cole or whatever. So, where what's the agreement over? Like, what what uh, what what hugely significant sum of money are we talking about?
5: So when compared to the $1.24 trillion in discretionary spending that we have for fiscal 2019, whether or not to do $1.6 billion or $5 billion for border barriers is actually a really small amount of money right. as a percentage of that whole. A billion
4: here, a billion there.
5: I know. mean, it's, it's a lot of money in the real world, but when covering, you know, what is like the federal expenditures right. of roughly $4 trillion every year, it's like, are we really arguing over $3.4 billion?
4: Yes, we are.
5: And we are. We're
4: we're the difference between three point four billion, uh you know, the one point six or the five billion uh, seems to be like that that could run us into the ground, right? Right in time for the holidays, too. I mean
5: just in time for all those non refundable flights. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that's kind of complicated about this year is the annual budget appropriations process cycle starts off with this really big thing called the President's Budget Request. Mm-hmm. It's basically what the White House wants from spending bills. But, of course, you have to remember the White House has basically no authority over spending that. Right. It's at the other end of Pennsylvania it's just Avenue. just a wish list. Yeah. yeah. Um, with and they submit this Congress. in February. Yeah. Right. So back in February, the Trump administration said we want $1.6 in fiscal 2019 for border walls. and. The Senate Appropriations Committee said, okay, here you go. Here's 1.6 billion. And then.
4: Glad we're done with that. Yeah, it was
5: a bipartisan agreement. Like, everyone kind of settled on a lot of different things. And it was like, oh, wow, we're going to have smooth sailing on the border wall. This is really surprising (laughs) to me. That's adorable that they thought that,
4: isn't it? I mean, like, because even we even thought, like, this is too good to be true. (laughs)
5: <laughs> right. I It's one of those things where you leave the house in the morning and you're like, I'm forgetting something. What am I forgetting? Is the stove it was, on? Yeah. Am I going to come
4: back to a, a smoking embers of a house? Right? Because yeah. right? right. everything feels safe.
5: Yes, exactly. Uh, so then I think it was like roughly a week or two after the Senate Appropriations Committee bipartisanly reported out that DHS approves bill that there was a sort of a round table at the White House and cameras were in there and Trump was in there. And he sort of said, I want five billion, and we were all like, "Oh, of course." <laughs> okay, so and then the House Appropriations Committee was a little bit behind with their homeland homeland bill um, from the Senate's timeline, and right. so they released their bill at five billion. Uh, A lot more border barriers would be funded Mm -hmm. by that, a lot more mileage. And so we've essentially been been going in this circle for months now. And I feel like the quotes at this point, for me personally, as someone who's like basically filing every day on this, are almost mind numbing. It's like, okay, Democrats are like, we've agreed to 1.6, stick with the 1.6. You know, We've heard it from Chuck Schumer time and time again. Like this is the bipartisan agreement. If the president stays out of it, we'll be fine. But if the president gets in, it's going to be problematic. And
4: and also they can say, and this is actually what he asked for. Yes, <laughs> like this was the. It, it's like we're not crazy. He wrote it down. Yeah. it's in the budget. These things that most people just ignore. I mean, yeah. it's right there, right?
5: It is in black and white, literally.
4: It's it, Peter. It's like the tax returns. It's like not mine.
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. budget. That's
4: mine. not my budget. That's yeah. not my budget. Yeah. Yeah. It's Chuck Schumer's budget.
5: <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen? Because it seems like that one provision is holding up these remaining seven bills that right. need to be funded by eleven fifty nine p.m. next Friday.
4: And and Richard Shelby, the the Senate Appropriations Chairman, he you know, he sort of said like, you know, yes, Friday is the deadline, but we really need to figure it all out by Wednesday. Because, yeah. I mean, there I mean, there are you do have to, like, figure out how to, you know, get things into legislative language, you know, print it, you know, in, in some cases with the government printing or publishing office. Uh, you know, get it in people's hands so that they can pretend that they've read it uh, and and then pass it in two chambers. Uh, so it, it's uh, yeah, it needs
5: and get that signature <laughs>
4: and get the signature. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is one of those things. It's it's not um, the, the odds are it wouldn't surprise anybody if there's some sort of shutdown. Right. At this point.
5: Yeah. And in CQ language, we're definitely calling it a funding lapse or a partial mm-hmm. government shutdown or something like that. Um, One of the really important things to remember is if there's no spending package of any type um, by the time we're technically in December 8th, the, that doesn't necessarily mean DHS ceases to operate, right? Better like ICE and off. Customs right. and Border Protection, they don't just like, oh, I guess we're going home to watch Netflix, right? right. They have this sort of thing called Netflix exempt. Netflix and tear gas. <laughs> they have this thing called exempt and non-exempt mm-hmm. employees. And I think I was looking at the numbers, and they're very rough, but I think of Homeland Security, 92-ish mm-hmm. percent of their employees are exempt. Essential. Yeah, yeah, essential or exempt or whatever yeah. The term is we're using these days, and so they just continue working. And the thing that's kind of frustrating, if you're one of those people, is that you may not be getting paid right during that time. Right. Which, but they still go to work.
4: They still go to work. And the and the biggest, I mean, inconveniences are like you know, at parks and and things like that. The not the non-essential. And this also creates this weird psychological thing of like a federal employee like realizing that they're non-essential. <laughs> like that's oh. like, oh, like no, I know I'm not operating a nuclear power plant, but you know, like really like i you know i i make sure that people get into the washington monument like safely or unsafely right i mean it's it kind of it's, you know, it's kind of a rough thing and it also the fact that it would happen right before christmas is just like you know it stinks right yeah
5: <laughs> and one of the other stories to watch for um that we see every single shutdown is that one of the bills that <laughs> hasn't passed yet is interior environment The National Park Service is in that bill, and if you have a wedding coming up at a National Park Service, it might be time to call your representatives in Congress. Uh, Because they, yeah, this is one of the things we we saw a lot of stories on, especially not necessarily the two sort of shorter shutdowns we had earlier this year, but the 2013 one. We saw a lot of brides just crying on TV (laughs) of like, my whole wedding, all my my cake is like baked. Like it's Saturday. I have my dress, my like makeup appointment, everything. And they're just like, National Park Service, like just can't answer phone calls. Sorry. Because they're not there. (laughs) And so it's this thing where you have all these like couples and it's like a relatively small thing in the context of the entire country, but it also is well, one it kind of those of puts a
4: human face on it. Too. Yeah,
5: exactly. Yeah.
4: And and also w- one of the things that we saw earlier this year was that this is effect. I mean, if we think that like, you know, Congress shields itself from it, they, they didn't they weren't even able to do that because in one of these like sort of mini shutdowns we had earlier this year, the House Democrats were supposed to go out to Cambridge, Maryland for their annual retreat and they had to cancel it. Because of the shutdown, which is just was like, how much money did they lose in deposits? Like, you know, I mean, because you probably don't get like bonehead insurance, you know, for, <laughs> for these things like didn't do my job insurance. I mean, like they're literally to blame for having missed that. Not the Democrats themselves, but Congress. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, all right. And so.
5: One interesting thing that I might just bring up quickly, though, is that sure. the ledge branch bill is enacted into law. So if there is a funding lapse for Congress others, gets paid, the whole legislative <laughs> branch is good. Right. Like everyone's fine. over Capital there. Capital
4: police, uh, members, staff, you know, yep. like the, the subways will run underneath. And stuff Everything's like, right? still
5: smooth sailing for ledge branch.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean we should hasten to add that that's actually one of the easier bills oh like, yeah, so, it's so, like, small, yeah it's the smallest allocation it's
5: relatively non-controversial
4: but uh, but still we're also we're also talking about as you said uh, 3.4 billion dollars and, and possibly leading to the to the government shutdowns so. yeah uh, so you know going going up a little bit you know to the 30,000 foot level um, as part of this big agreement that they had earlier this year that avoided a shutdown in April and got this agreement you know the be, between the two parties. Um they they created this this committee this this like bipartisan I know you're laughing already.
5: Yes. JSC forever. Okay, let's go.
4: They they created this special committee, bipartisan bicameral committee where they were going to look at the budget process and say like, okay, obviously things aren't really working out that well. <laughs> so, um what can we do to like make things a little bit better? And and they actually had a statutory deadline. To, you know, like if if you don't, you know, like forward, you know, your you know recommendations, then then this this, you know, you have no force of law. But this is your chance. This is your chance to revisit this and try to make things a little easier and better. What happened?
5: Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> they I met, mean, they met throughout to, like, the year, too. Right? Yeah. I mean, I spent so much time this year covering this <laughs> and it just kind of like fell in on itself yesterday. Um. So, yeah, it's this, it's this really kind of fascinating committee structure. Mm-hmm. If you're a bit of a Congress nerd, normally one party has a majority. They have at least one more right. member, so they can just advance legislation out of committees. This was not that way. We had eight Republicans and eight Democrats. So mm-hmm. each of the sort of four corners of congressional leadership, you know, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer, each got to put four members on this panel. And it was co chaired by Nita Lowy uh, and Steve Womack. Nita so,
4: being the incoming chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee, first ever and, chairwoman of the House Appropriations Committee, and Steve Womack, who is the outgoing Budget Committee chairman of the House.
5: Yes, right. or he could be he could be ranking member. Ranking member. He might. Yeah, front. he's not like leaving that role right. that we know yet. Um, but so yeah, they had like a whole lot of closed door meetings, uh, throughout the year. They had I think four or five. Uh, hearings. I mean, like Speaker Paul Ryan and Nancy Pelosi and Sonny Hoyer all testified in front of this panel. Mm-hmm. Which at that point in time, I thought, okay, like leadership is taking this seriously. Leadership has some recommendations. We could actually see something. And the one thing that's really fascinating is when they got that spending agreement in the spring. The task for this select committee was overhaul the budget and appropriations right. process. Or I think it may have been technically significantly overhaul. It was like right. do some big things, right. guys. Like. I think when we were early on we were like are you going to rewrite the 1974 budget act which right. guides all of this also and it was like right. it was kind of <laughs> on the table for a little while but then as we got closer to the, <laughs> the deadline we realized like, like oh
4: this is kind of hard <laughs> let's just talk about maybe just passing a budget resolution every other year instead of every year right
5: <laughs> basically and some technical changes that honestly may just get handled in the rules package
4: mm-hmm. So, so so they and and the, we we got an inkling that they might be in a little bit of trouble uh, before Thanksgiving, right? Because they were like, "Okay, we're gonna vote on this," and then they were like, "Okay, we're not gonna vote on this. We're gonna wait until after Thanksgiving," which is never a good.
5: No, you know, I mean thing. the first time they postponed the final vote, right. uh, and actually a lot of amendment debate, they just sort of shut it down. Right. The red flag sort of went <laughs> up, and I was checking with a lot of sources, and I was basically hearing back like mm, things may be really on the rocks here. And then they postponed it again earlier right. this week for like a day and a half or something. And I was like, this is just—it's done.
4: And what were like some of the underlying causes? Was it the, was it? The, I mean, were the Democrats being like, you know what, we're going to be in the majority in the House next year. We don't need this. We can, you know, we we can do some of this stuff as you said, like we either in the rules package that they pass at the beginning of every Congress. Or, or it's just like we don't need this. We don't need to put ourselves out there, and you know, honestly, finding the time for it might have been difficult. You know, between now and, and the and the end of this this Congress. So, what, why, what were the reasons that it that it fell apart? Because in the end, like four of the Democrats didn't even vote; they just voted present. Yeah,
5: right? <laughs> which is real surprising. Uh-huh. Um, so, what we heard, um, particularly from Democrats, was that there's no agreement for Senate amendment debate between mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. Okay. And so one of the big concerns that we heard uh, towards the end of this process was that there was a concern on the Democratic side that they had come to this, what is relatively minor changes, mm-hmm. but still bipartisan changes. And if it gets through the 60 vote cloture threshold in the Senate, you could then add amendments with just a simple majority, which Republicans right. have. And so there was a lot of concern on the Democratic side of this turning into essentially Republicans dream overhaul bill. right. And it wouldn't be bipartisan anymore. And so if you got through that, theoretically, you could have had Republicans do sort of a Christmas tree amendment process in the Senate where they just made it like a really Republican overhaul. And then if you look at the margins in the House still during the lame duck and the fact that Trump is the president, there was a lot of concern on the Democratic side that this thing could have gotten really out of control really Mm -hmm. quickly. Um, and they wanted some type of sort of even, I think, just behind the scenes amendment agreement from right. Mitch McConnell that he would sort of fill the tree and like prevent random members from offering amendments that weren't agreed to ahead of time.
4: Right. And so it fell apart, like basically all legislation falls apart. <laughs> like it it, it and, and it ceased to be about a noble package of things and became just another kind of football. Yep. So, um all right, good times. <laughs>
5: so much fun.
4: <laughs> so there are there there is there was some like big time news though coming out of the House. Uh, the, the during this week, the the uh, House Democrats elected their leaders, or and, and in Nancy Pelosi's case, the speakership. Uh, they nominated her for speaker, and that's there's going to be some drama there. But they also um, are they started picking the leaders of their committees on the Republican side. Uh, the, these ranking member slots, and I mean. For the most part, a lot of the a lot of these are already there. I mean, all these all these in place. But in particular, the Appropriations Committee, which is typically like looked upon as one of the most powerful, if not the most, as the purse strings in the House. Uh, Keep saying it, that it, all it, day, it, every day, all, every, every day, every <laughs> day. Um, it, it's the, they're making history uh, th- this week, and what is that history?
5: Yeah. So. Nita Lowy, representative of New York, who's a Democrat, is expected to become the panel, the House panel's first chairwoman in January. Of course, Barbara Mikulski, Democrat of Maryland, was the Senate Mm -hmm. Appropriations Committee's first chairwoman. Um, but alongside her as the ranking member, you're gonna have Kay Granger, Republican of Texas. Mm-hmm. And so this is gonna be the first time. I
4: love this. like <laughs> Peter, like th- this is the, this is the moment if we had this dramatic is... music. <laughs> dun, dun, dun.
5: So this is the first time since the House Select Committee on the Beauty Shop real thing was eliminated <laughs> in 1977 that you had a chairwoman and a female ranking member on a House committee.
4: You're welcome, America.
5: In fact, <laughs> like, add that to your congressional true, true trivia.
4: True the 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 select committee and the beauty shop. And why were there no men on the select committee on the beauty shop, Jen? Do I really like, have to answer that? Uh, uh, pro- well, it I was mean, the seventies. Yeah, it was the seventies. I, I mean, I think the
5: sixties a little. Bit men too. may
4: have spent more time in hair salons in the seventies than they do now. I mean, have guilty you seen
3: those... as charged. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> have you seen those perms? Yeah. You know, you don't get a beard like that uh, yeah. just on your own, Jen.
3: No, no this is not, this <laughs> like... just didn't happen overnight. <laughs> Take care of this thing.
4: So, uh, also, like, bizarre fact, but you're used to this because you work with me. Uh, this shirt that I'm wearing, I bought this in downtown Helsinki in May. Oh, yeah. And in a department store uh, where I ran into Nita Lowy and her husband. <laughs> because, and, and it was one of those... Just incredibly odd things where I was I was in Helsinki, you know, as one does. You know, you, you go to Helsinki in, in the summer. It's actually really awesome in, in the summer. It's beautiful. There's a lot of sunlight. People are going crazy because it's, like, beautiful weather. Everybody's very, like, out and about. The food's great. Um, and I was there with my, my wife, Fawn, and we were just, like, taking a little vacation. And we were walking in downtown on, on, like, a Tuesday or something like that. And I said to her, I said, I think that's Nina Loewy. You know that, that 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 I mean, and and she's like, eh, you know, like you know, I mean, there could be a million people who look like that in the world, right? Maybe not, um, but uh, you know, like, I, I was like, okay, maybe not, maybe not, and then the next day. The weather suddenly got cold, which apparently it does in Finland, uh, even even in the middle of summer. <laughs> uh, and and I went in. And I was like, I haven't got a, you know, I only had like short sleeve sh- sort of shirts and so forth. So I went into this department store and and like and there she was again. <laughs> and I'm like, I now I know this is Nina Loewe. And there was there was some conference, you know, there there was some sort of like a uh, U.S. Russia relations conference going on, and they had been to Tallinn and in, in uh, Estonia. Uh, earlier and and it was mainly taking place in Helsinki. So like this is a this is my needle lowy sweater. Uh, th- this will forever be the needle lowy sweater. And she's also just awesome to sort of talk to. She's she's oh, a, she's, yeah. she's a great person to interview because she's you know she's just sort of a delight. She's a true like kind of politician.
5: Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> so what's up uh, for what you've got uh, one more day of, uh, you know, of, of the work week, Jen. Uh, and, and we're also, you know, this is a good uh, spot to end on because we're almost out of time in this half hour. Um, the Senate's gone, but like, what? So, what are you going to be zeroing in on today? Because and the, the House is about to be gone. Like, are, what kind of are you looking for? Any kind of breakthrough, like right now? Because like, or is this is this going to be one of those days where the staff is just like, okay, finally they left, we can get some work done, or or is this going to be some lost time in 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 this like showdown over the wall?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think that. The thing that's kind of different about these final days of negotiation compared to what I'm used to covering the appropriations process is that it's not subcommittee members and staff and committee members and staff with a little bit of like, hey, is leadership okay with this going on? Mm -hmm. It's really just the border wall issue, which is essentially going to have to be worked out with the four corners of congressional leadership and the White House. And so this isn't really, you know, they need a probe staff in the room for the technical stuff. If Mm -hmm. you start breaking down rescissions potentially from previous fiscal years back money, yeah you know. clawing back money that's mm-hmm. unspent and then maybe trying to claim it as new money we're not really sure what types of like budgetary magic are going to happen in the next you know week or so but
4: they're going to find some money under the couch is that what you're saying like gonna- <laughs> i mean that's
5: basically yeah i mean 900 million is just in the context of congressional appropriations not a whole lot of money
4: well uh good luck uh, in in these trying few days uh, oh, as we try to figure you. out what going gone and uh, and if for for those of you listening you can follow Jen on Twitter at Jennifer shut that's two T's in in the shut. Uh, Good luck uh, in in the next few days. Thanks. (laughs) All right. We will be back uh, with Brandon Weatherby, the uh, managing editor of Brightest Young Things and host of the podcast, You, Me, Them, Everybody. And we're going to wrap up with him and some of his observations about things we started with.
3: Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show.
4: We are back uh, for the uh, last thirty minutes. Beautiful thirty minutes. Uh, I call it the best thirty. Minutes. The, the best thirty. We are we're going to be best uh, in, <laughs> in in this uh, segment uh, of of the Bill Press show. We are joined by Brandon Weatherby, uh, my friend and. Editor of uh, Young Things*, managing editor of Bryce Young Things*, and he's the host of the podcast *You Me Them Everybody* as well as like five or six other podcasts. Uh, for, for, for yeah, for we BIT. need more podcasts. Right, that's right, the issue. Know, like, um, actually, though, the, this podcast—I don't know if you heard—you were here when we when Jen and I were talking about yes. this one. The the Congress two beers in. Yes, I I mean that is like that's one of those ones you'd need to, to listen to at All least right. once. You know, it's 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 uh it, it's pretty great. Uh, but you can follow Brandon on Twitter at ymte. And uh, we're going to talk uh, about penthouses, not penthouse pets, but penthouses I never like real that's penthouses. What to me. Yeah, p- Peter. Peter's like, "Whoa, huh?" <laughs> <Her?
3: laughs> I For thought, the first time all day. You have my attention.
4: Do <laughs> you need to explain what that seg- what that comment was about? Because I think a majority of people under the age of forty might not might not know about Penthouse magazine. No, no, no. They so. know Penthouse magazine, but the <laughs> "I couldn't believe it would happen to me" thing.
3: Yeah, so Penthouse used to have these letters from fans,
4: right? Uh, Madame Xavier, uh, uh, right? Uh, Xavier Hollander, Hollander, whatever was her,
3: was her name? Possibly. Yeah. I don't remember the, the, as much detail. Uh, but the, That's it, just, it was, just what I heard. I mean, <laughs> it was, <laughs> <laughs> it's what I read in the articles in Penthouse
4: Magazine. But this was me reading the articles. This was yeah. proof that people read the articles. Yeah. So, and people
3: yes. would write in their fan fiction or... Uh, quote-unquote, real stories. I never thought this would happen to me, but there I was washing my laundry when... The neighbor that I had a crush on came into the laundry room and started washing her laundry as well, including the clothes that she was wearing. And then they would detail their sexual escapades. That's the, the letters in Penthouse. That was a thing.
4: And I, I know we weren't planning on talking. We were talking about physical penthouses, not the uh, magazine penthouse or the the, seg, the 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 part of the issue of Penthouse that most people don't necessarily remember. But I think this segues perfectly. Sorry about running the show now. This no, no, segues no. perfectly into this is why what I invited this you, right? we're <laughs> going to discuss. We're going to discuss what's going on or what maybe have, has gone on in the Trump Tower, uh, specifically in the penthouse. And the idea that anybody cares about Trump is only because people heard what they wanted to hear. People read penthouse because they read what they wanted to read. Like right. People know that's never going to happen. And if that right. did happen, it'd be incredibly sad, and there'd be a lot of mental issues <laughs> un, undealt with sexual trauma that would lead to all these things. Right. That's not discussed. The, what's discussed is the quote-unquote fun stuff. Anyways, here we are in 2018. <laughs> 2018, and... Th- leaving, leaving aside now, uh, at least for this part of the segment, this part of the show, the um, the publication penthouse, yes. But going to the uh, actual potential penthouse, mm-hmm. uh, you you, uh, you mentioned a, there's a story in in Buzzfeed uh, that that's sort of piggybacking on some of the Michael Cohen. Russia Trump Tower news, and uh, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, this came out late last night, and by late last night, I mean like 6 p.m. So in D.C., there's right. been like 10 other stories. And when I say D.C., I literally mean only Washington, D.C. follows right. it this closely. That was not uh, a poor... Now I'm saying a poor word choice, and I can't even get the words out. I sound drunk. It's 8.31 a.m. All right, here we go. Uh, the article is, the Trump Organization planned to give Vladimir Putin the $50 million penthouse in Trump Tower, Moscow. This is important. yes. For obvious reasons, and it has nothing to do with the 2016 election. Right. Here's why I don't think this was ever going to happen, number one. Uh, Trump's never given away anything for free, ever. No. That's kind of what he's known for, in a way. It makes him kind of cool, and I said cool because he used the word cool multiple times this morning on Twitter. Very cool. Very cool. He's a very cool cool dude. And very legal.
3: Yeah, very legal. (laughs) Very stable, very cool, very legal. To be fair
4: pretty cool, you know what I
3: mean? (laughs) He's using the word correctly. He's not. He's he is. That's a pretty cool thing to do. And he spelled it correctly. I could totally see him spelling it K E W L. That would also be legitimately cool. cool. Or if he did spell like. Or if he
4: spelled it like the menthol cigarettes, which you know might be on their way out. Cools. If Cools paid Donald Trump to endorse him, I think that would be a win-win for everybody involved. We're bringing
3: cigarettes back. they have been pushing them out for so long. I'm bringing them back. Folks, I smoke cigarettes my whole life. Look <laughs> at me.
4: Oh, it's so great. So, anyways, uh, you you were kind enough to ask me to do this show a few days ago. We, we went through a lot of things we might discuss, and then within the, the 24 hours when we initially discussed it, everything has changed, and that's the norm at, now. At one point, we were talking about, maybe let's talk about the Chicago mayor's race. Yeah. you know, being a, pro- for a Chicagoan. That seems like uh, not a good idea. But it's, <laughs> there's, there's so much happening there. Anyways, let's get back to this. This is not new in any way whatsoever. Right. Now, I know that you've discussed the USFL on the show. You and I have gone on length about the USFL. The USFL was the... Uh, only real competition to the NFL on the existence of the NFL is that fair to say yeah, I and mean, some people would say the World Football League oh, sure. had, a, had a chance, but they they didn't. They hardly got off the ground. Yeah, they, you know like it was like a year plus or something like and that. And also, yeah. you're not going to be able to change the name of the most popular sport in the world to make it the right. American sport of the world. So like that right. was never going to happen. Anyways, back to the USFL. <laughs> Trump was an owner of the New Jersey Generals. Right. A lot of people don't realize he didn't actually. He wasn't part of the formation of the league. He right. got in on year two. Right. He bought that team for less than ten million dollars. Wow. That's not a lot of money. It's $40 million less than the penthouse in Moscow. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> this is, and keep in mind, this is 1983. So, right. adjusted for inflation, he spent under $25 million to own a professional sports team. That is a deal. Now, a deal. he did two things that were really, really smart. And a lot of people don't want to give him credit for anything and that silly. Number one, he got Lawrence Taylor an amazing deal. And Lawrence Taylor never played for the New Jersey Generals. Instead, the New York Giants bought out that contract. Trump got paid, and Lawrence Taylor got paid. Trump got paid twice. That's amazing. That's a good deal. Lawrence In terms Taylor sports, got paid twice. Lawrence <laughs> Taylor got paid twice. That's a good deal. Also, Lawrence Taylor headline WrestleMania. We're not going there yet. Okay, <laughs> he did. It was a horrible WrestleMania. He faced big, big Bam Bam Bigelow. Anyways, uh, guys, no politics. Catch up here. Don Shula, right? The most famous coach of the Miami right. Dolphins. The of only coach. The only coach to uh, to coach a perfect season. The That's Miami a big deal. Yeah. In 1983, Don Shula almost went to the New Jersey Generals. Right. There was one thing that stood in the way. Do you know what that thing was? He wanted a condo. He wanted a $1 million condo in Trump Tower in New York, and Trump would would not agree to that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's play some hypotheticals here. If Don <laughs> Shula gets that condo, if Lawrence Taylor ends up playing for the New Jersey Generals, I think there's a really solid argument to be made that we have two professional football leagues right now. Right. We don't one have one spring, one in fall. Exactly. And yeah. we don't have Donald Trump as president. But because he would not give away a $1 million condo adjusted for inflation, that is $2.41 million. Because he wouldn't give away $2.41 million. There, there's a house probably within a block that's $2.4 million, right? I mean, on Capitol Hill, which <laughs> which Trump would probably regard as a dump. Well, you to know? be fair, it is a dump. The city is full of rats, number one. And that's why it's a good city. It's Chicago versus D.C. and the rat population. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah, we're, we're number one. Deal with it. <laughs> Either place I live. Okay, so... That's He never gives away anything. Right. So the idea that Trump is going to give away $50 million is crazy. Right. The, this is a report. I'm sure these conversations happen. Would that ever have actually happened? Right. No, absolutely not. Right. If anything, he owes somebody a lot more than $50 million. And, and also, there there is a difference between um, kind of stiffing Don Shula yeah. you know, uh, and stiffing a former spymaster for the KGB. I would disagree. <laughs> okay. I think Don Shula is more upfront about it because Don Shula is like, "No, you pay in full now." But but Don Shula wouldn't kill you. You if... prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched was, the NFL? Do you know what CTE is? Don Shula will kill you slowly. It, there is it, no it, such it, thing as a perfect is, season is, for a player. It is a little slower than using sarin or whatever they're using I'm, to kill defectors in England. Yes, but uh, that's a good question. Know. What is what's a quicker way to kill somebody? Make them play in the NFL. Wait, what, why are you laughing? No, this it's, is America's sport. No, it's, are you reading uh, Mark Leibowitz's book? Uh no, I, I I actually like it I I have been fascinated by mm-hmm. it. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but like I especially I mean I heard him um talking on uh, I think it was 1A, it was uh, 1A. It, it, recently. And I mean Leibowitz is just a he's an incredibly compelling, you know, reporter and writer um and you know, this town actually—I mean, as as easy as it is to sort sure. of like make fun of, it was actually like a very well written and fun book to read. Uh, I thought so, and I and I've, I felt like there was also the way that he was talking about it. There was especially the stuff about his father, about mm-hmm. because his father was a an immigrant, yeah, and, not from America, and and didn't he he talks about like wanting a a, a normal dad, mm-hmm. you know, that that liked football like all of his his friends did, and and it, you know, it, it, I thought like okay, there is. Aside from just the you know what I would expect to be some like sort of hard hitting reporting uh, and and good writing, there's it sounds like there's a lot of heart in this. There book is too. a lot of heart in this book, and there's a handful of references to Vince McMahon in the in the start of it, beca- mm-hmm. and he com- and compares Trump to Vince McMahon and all that stuff. But then he doesn't take it further, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm here to do. No, oh. because I wrote a book about that. So, yes, anyways, did. It, th- the Donald, the Donald, how Trump turned presidential politics into pro wrestling. It's a plug, people. <laughs> it's on Amazon. Thank you so much for. Th- <laughs> <laughs> and and probably good reads too, right? Great question. Yeah. I will never be able to answer that. I
3: can't read or write.
4: <laughs> Don't make fun of the illiterate. They listen to podcasts, all right, man. That's true. And they probably watch the Bill Press show or listen to Almost it. Almost certainly. Don't do that. Don't make fun of. <laughs> I've read your tweets. I'm deleting all of my tweets, by the way. You are. I'm slowly deleting every tweet I have. If you go to my Twitter page right now, there's maybe 15, and then as soon as I do the show that I do, and then I'll delete it, and then plug the next show, and consistently delete. Wow. Yeah. Is this like some sort of minimalist? No, it's because they won't kick off the Nazis. That being said, I still need to plug the show. Right. So yeah, I'm just. Twitter
3: is bad. I think we can all agree.
4: Yeah, that. they're all bad. Uh, the least bad one is Instagram, but I'm like two weeks away from just deleting that, too. Okay. It's just too much sadness. Anyways, back to Lebo. <laughs> Do you think anybody calls him Lebo?
3: Uh, I think he just did.
4: I, yeah. Besides I don't me. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I honestly, like, he he works right next door to, to my office as a roll call downtown. So maybe if you I You should knock on the door him. and go, hey, Lebo? And if he answers, <laughs> he answers yes. Or he's like, I'm calling security. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. One of the right. things that I think he's done really well in this book is to establish the club-like atmosphere mm-hmm. of the NFL. And... This really relates to what's going on right now with Trump. Um, Trump never felt part of the establishment, be it the NFL, hence the USFL. The NFL wouldn't let him in. And this is where racism really gets in the way. Because of his racism, he ran for president and he won. Is he a racist? No. Is everything he says or does racist? Absolutely. Does that make you a racist? I don't know. Probably. What do words mean? Anyways, so uh, if Trump just spent that $10 million he bought the New Jersey Generals with, and use that to buy an NBA team in the '80s, and use the exact same racism. He would have made billions of dollars. That is the story of the Los Angeles Clippers. You don't need to be part of the club, and you could still be racist. Just be part of a different club, and it's that rejection of the club-like atmosphere that's really caused everything that's happening right now. It's really sad. Well, and th- this also gets to some of the things that I, I've I've wondered about. I mean, like with Cohen, you know, pleading guilty uh, yesterday in New York, and I I, th- I just thought you know this guy was very easy to caricature you know during the campaign and are you and like, referring to right, Cohen or are you yeah, referring, referring, to Trump? referring to Cohen okay. um the, the in, in this instance um that you know he he was you know he was you know just sort of like a, almost a, a sketch parody of what you think of as like sort of a a a bragging kind of uh new york tough guy right Sure. A, or fake tough guy and the and i wonder like what must have been going through his mind you know cohen's his, mind cohen's mind as as he's as he's, as he's playing out and as he's like trying to sort of pick up like what his what's been made of his life because this this whole thing of being out of the club you know i mean like mm-hmm. cohen probably had um a fairly good lucrative like you know life mm-hmm. as as a lawyer uh and, and You're using and, the and, word lawyer very loosely. Right or or and and taxicab you know sort of yeah. broker you know i mean like that that's like low level kind of you know uh Graft, if you will, yeah. like everybody has to be a little, uh, you know, uh, in 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 these sort of worlds. But I mean, but he probably had a fairly comfortable life at, at some point, right? And 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 like and yet, like there. See, I don't know. I don't know if I can go yeah. that far with that yeah. logic. I think yeah. that if you're work, I think. Do you believe that like attracts like? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Therefore, if in, you're in politics, if in, you're in, in the, the, the business, Trump orbit, yeah. are you doing well, or has something bad happened? Right. And this is just. One step down on the rung before horrible things. But so the USFL thing, I mean, like the the, you know, and this is what one of the things that Peter and I were talking about at the the top of the show is that the USFL, you know, they had this niche, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they and and it was it wasn't as big as the NFL, but it was different. It was mm-hmm. it was a little more fun, a little more open uh, in in terms of the the way the offenses worked, especially, and and it was kind of a little kookier too, yeah. you know, in terms of like the promotions, and and they just had this little world that they could like, you know. Occupy in yeah. the spring, and for Trump, that wasn't good enough. No, like he wanted to take on the NFL. He wanted to be part of that club. He Correct. Wanted, and and it, you know, I think some of it is, is on my mind because like Bob McNair, the the owner of the Texans and yep. the Oilers before, um, you know, he died recently. And and like somebody talk about somebody who symbolizes the old guard, right? Of of the NFL, uh, Trump was never going to be a part of that world. And and that that or or he thought he could be a part of it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, he right. probably could have if he just kept his head down right. for a handful of years. I wouldn't have been surprised if the USL became essentially like the minor league teams of the NFL right. and they would like incorporate each team to have a, a father team, essentially, right. a big brother team. Yeah, that could have easily happened, but he just. Kind of like wasn't, arena football. Exactly. Yeah. He wasn't willing to wait in line, and it's that simple. Right. Because if you look at the behavior of Jerry Jones, it's not like he's a saint. Right. No pun intended. He was the owner of the Cowboys. I get it, by the way. Cowboys, look that up. Look up Dallas Cowboys and accusations and just see what pulls. See what pulls. Now, then, forever, the Dallas Cowboys are a horrible organization full of horrible men. Anyways, Troy Aikman got knocked out and couldn't remember playing the NFC Championship game. Remember that, guys? (laughs) Remember that? He doesn't. CTE is is a thing. Anyways, um... Yeah, it's not like he didn't suit all of the things that would allow to be an NFL owner. Right. He just refuses to wait and to play by anyone else's roles, which in a way is incredibly respectful, or is like admirable, because mm-hmm. he is an, his authentic self. You don't have to like him, but right. 46% of the uh, voting population does, and good for them. So, And one of the things that I, uh, you know, about the sh- getting back to the Shula thing yes. is that, like, it he could have also structured this very easily oh yeah so that, so that the the $1 million giveaway yeah. to, to Don Shula is just part of his compensation just yeah, like just like including life insurance in an executive's compensation package yeah. or their chauffeur or or whatever i mean and and also it's not like trump himself has to give this away or write a check it's like a business expense it's an operating expense you're that you can assuming, write off on your taxes hold on stop you're <laughs> assuming he knows two things one business number two taxes <laughs> Why would you need to know that when your entire existence was based around being a slumlord? That's true. So, like, give me one time where you've actually had to learn a thing. Right. He was good at football in high school. (laughs) He was. He was very good at football in high school. We should give him the admiration he deserves as a high school football player. Kudos to you, man with CTE. Exactly. So, so, and bone spurs. Let's not forget those. That's right. (laughs) If, I mean, how he how he got them? You know, who knows? It could have been a football injury. It could have been. Could have been just wearing bad shoes. It could have been. Yeah. Uh, There's so many things I want to say that I just know. Like I will tell you off mic, but I can't say now because they're very inappropriate. But you would laugh and you would have so much fun listening to me say those things. Well, I've just are been you sh- sure you don't want to try a few. No, like, I don't. Peter's I just, like what? I want what? to keep my job um, <laughs> because it all relates to what we're discussing now. But it, it, it's... listeners love that. By it's going to come off as anti-American. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So that's all. So, but. Getting back to yes. potentially anti-American activities, um, the 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 cone uh, please mm-hmm. you know, on, on Thursday uh, that he lied to Congress about the extent to which they were discussing developments in Moscow. I mean, the, this, the, you know, we had we played this clip earlier where you know Trump right before he got on Marine One to you know go to Air Force One and, and go to Argentina. He, he's like, I. Uh, Michael Cohn is lying. Yeah. And yeah, 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 why don't we play it real quick?
1: He's lying about a project that everybody knew about. I mean, we were very open with it. We were thinking about building a building. I guess we had in a form. It was an option. I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, we decided, I decided ultimately not to do it. There would have been nothing wrong if I did do it. If I did do it, there would have been nothing wrong.
4: So, I mean, I just just those few words right there. He's lying everybody knew about it everybody didn't know about it yeah. uh if i did it there was nothing wrong <laughs> i mean he's really covered all of his bases and it's and, and and i think this is the thing i mean one of the things peter was saying is that like the dc press corps has finally started to, to catch up mm-hmm. to to how to cover him because the follow up question was was asked like well if you know if cohen's such a bum then why did you employ him for 12 years yeah um and but like the the it, it's hard to untangle all that you know is stuff it, it, it well If you're if you're just sort of coming to it, 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 it's kind of like if you're just walking down the street and somebody just punches you in the face. Okay. I I mean, it's sort of distracting, you know, like because you don't you don't you don't I'm not going to disagree. So you don't you don't expect that, like someone would just you know, that that someone would just come up to you and punch you in the face. So it really sort of takes you back. Maybe. Um, But if if that happens enough times, then you get to you get to like protect yourself. Right. You get to like sort of prepare yourself for the fact that somebody might come and punch you in the face all the time. So that's kind of like covering Trump. You know, it, it, as, as a it, it, particularly for political journalists, there's, you know, the, uh, for a long time, you know, like the way that you cover politics was like there was a sort of give and take with politics. Trump knows how to dominate these, yeah. these, these like interactions. Yeah. So people are st- finally starting to get like the, the way the the way to cover that. But ultimately, though, one person who is not impressed by this and not intimidated by it and not even interested in following what he says, except when it's in a deposition is Bob Mueller. Now you're speaking for Bob Mueller. You don't yeah. know that. No. I, well, I would, I would guess. You would guess. The, the, yes. I would guess that the former, much like we guess on, 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 we use educated guesses to sure. you know, talk about people's mindsets and what they're thinking, is that, I mean, this seems, if nothing else, a fairly meticulous prosecution. It seems that way. <laughs> it does seem that way. But it also seems that, uh, okay, would you be surprised if the Donald was president, was not president in six days, six months, or six years? I, I nothing would surprise exactly. I wouldn't right. be surprised if he had another term. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got three terms. He could figure <laughs> it out. I'm not betting against <laughs> this man. I would never bet against him or Vince McMahon because like they always figure out a way to win. I wouldn't be surprised if in six days he resigns because he figures out. You know what? Let's just do this Trump Tower Moscow thing. Didn't he just say I miss New York? Like he he said what what was that? That that I saw that pop up. Like I miss New York. I mean I, he he said that recently. I mean I'm, that could just be an old. clip. That's not, just true. We all know right. that. And by New York, he means one specific floor in one specific tower on one block where no one likes him. Right. He misses his home. I love it. He misses his home. I don't blame him at all. Here's the thing about Trump. It's cognitive, it's cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. It's the F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, and I had to look it up. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. That's the quote. Mm-hmm. That's the he's lying and he's not lying. He's right. He is lying and he's not lying. I understand that that might be difficult to comprehend. I understand that it might not make sense. Taken too far, too. It leads to, like, psychopathology. Yeah. CTE (laughs) is a thing that happens when you play football. He was very good at football. (laughs) By the way, you know how he recovered from the USFL debacle? He got super into boxing at his casinos. That's right, and he uh, um, and he underbid everyone to get Mike Tyson fights, and he invested in in Atlantic City. He invested on uh, on uh, this up and coming boxer named Mike Tyson, and that's why uh, the most popular man at the RNC when we were there in 2016 was Don King. That's not a joke. When Don King made an unexpected appearance on the floor of the RNC, it's because he had the biggest pop, he had the most excitement, Mm -hmm. and it all relates back to investing in Mike Tyson another sport that leads to CTE. Exactly. So when it comes to <laughs> He's blood got a sports- weakness for these, right? or a not a weakness, that's just he know that's his wheelhouse. Did Donald Trump happen to box as a young man? Do no, there's no if no. he if he does it wasn't like there's not a photo in the high school yearbook of him boxing. There yeah. is one of him in this football stance. Hmm. I mean, and, and I mean to be to be fair too, like not every boxer, not every person who boxes ends ends up, you know, like with CTE. No, I'm not know, saying the, that whatsoever. I'm just saying OJ yeah. Simpson happened to murder two people, right. and he was the greatest running back of all time. So. And Don Donald Trump, great high school football player, I just and, and who that wrote a book there. called "If I Did It." Yeah, it's a hypothetical <laughs> two opposing <laughs> ideas at the same
3: time. Um, I I but have to. Well, it was it was called what? It was called what? If I did it, if
4: there would, I did it, been
1: nothing wrong. If I did do it, See? if I did do it, there would have been nothing wrong. Okay, right. that's
4: yeah. some good producing right there. <laughs> 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 to to go a, a little far afield into the the our, our pop culture world, how do you explain the popularity of? I mean, I, I saw this movie over the break, Creed Two and Creed. How do you explain the popularity of Creed yeah. or Yeah, the, the the I mean the movie they're, they're good movies, mm-hmm. but but the the subject matter, I mean boxing, we I mean as a as a country, we seem to be sort of relegating it to where, you know, like places of, of like horse racing, you know, where it's a it's a smaller specialized <laughs> so sport, but there's a lot of people just get a little queasy no about one it. Watched, we want to watch movies about it. No, no one obviously. watched horse racing on Saturday nights for decades the same way we watched boxing when there were three channels, number 1, number mm-hmm. 2, boxing's biggest downfall is not the head trauma is not the body trauma whatsoever uh that's the number three number one is there's like 10 different federations so who is actually the champ is it canelo or is it one of these other dudes there's too many promotions that's the biggest problem the second biggest problem is the mob organized crime makes it not desirable it's horrible so like are you even going to get paid to risk all this and then number three is the head trauma so like that that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've answered all of your questions. Thank you so much. No, and also, <laughs> and why why is Creed two? Why is uh, Sylvester Stallone Donald is it Della just, a good, is good it just a good movie? You know? Well, no, it's mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan is like one of the most charismatic actors yeah. there is. He's made Michael Jordan a name that's okay to have that you're not Michael Jordan. Okay. Like that's incredibly it's difficult amazing. to do. Yeah. He was in two different Marvel movies, and no one even remembers Fantastic Four. That's how good Michael B. Jordan is <laughs> to, for, to be able to forget that movie. Is, and they like are confront. Feat. They did confront a lot of that stuff yeah. in uh, Creed, and um, I think Rocky Balboa did a really great job of making Rocky V forgivable. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's I I enjoyed the Rocky trilogy, not trilogy at this point, because um, it never was. I enjoyed the Rocky series way more than Star Wars. I think there are way—it's the exact same hero's journey, Mm -hmm. but it—it's—it makes way more sense. The least—the things that make the least amount of sense in Rocky are Sylvester Stallone's brother singing above a trash can on fire in Rocky (laughs) One, and then all of Rocky Five. But if you take away the trash can scene, Rocky One is like the most romantic film of 1977. It's Annie Hall without the creepiness, right? Just with a little more blood. Yeah, it's so much better. Brandon, thank you so much for, for having me. Yeah, I mean, this is great. We also, gotta plug that movie Rocky. Brandon also brought me books. This is the, this is what friends do. Uh, so thank you very much, and uh, follow him, friends, uh, at YMTE. He's the host of the podcast. You meet them, everybody, and he's this just an awesome dude. Is the Bill Press
3: Show.